we're going to trust God to fill us tonight. Let's pray. Father, we thank you tonight. We thank you for that you are an amazing God and you have done amazing things for us. And we've come, Lord, to learn to how to interact better with you in a more effective way. For you are a God of relationship. You are a God who talks to us and listens to us. You are a God who tells us to come and argue our case with you. You're a God who enjoys and loves an interaction with us whereby we walk in and enjoy the relationship that we have with you. And so tonight we want to learn more about this, Father. We want to learn more of, of what your Spirit's been putting us to do, how to, to cooperate with him and how to be, allow him to lead us. And so, Father, tonight we look to your word to teach us how to do that. And for that, we trust the Spirit of God in me and in us in order to affect that in our lives. And we thank you tonight, Father, for that. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Turn with me to Genesis chapter 3. We're going to begin, to, we began last week actually to learn, talk about how to be led by the Spirit of God. We've been talking about the ministry of the Holy Spirit. And one of his main ministries to a believer is how to walk in the Spirit. No, Genesis chapter 3. Genesis chapter 3. It's in the Old Testament. <laughs> I think it's highlighted in there. I'm sorry, I'm teasing you. Because I gave you a wrong scripture. It's okay, I'll read it if you don't have it. Genesis chapter 3. Just a little introduction. We're, we're talking about how to be led by the Spirit. How to be led by the Spirit. One of His main ministries, one of His main purposes that God's put Him in you is to, to guide us and to lead us. We talked last week about the fact that God knows everything. And God knows, He cares about your life. And He wants to lead you and guide you for His purposes, but also for your benefit. There's a little echo up here somewhere. I don't know if it's down there. Uh, and, and God wants to lead us and to direct us. And, and in, not just in ministry, but in your private life. And I share with you that I've had that when I practiced law. I had that happen to me, even in courtrooms, several times. Three times I'd have, I had it happen to me, specifically. So, but, it's, but how do we do that? So we're learning, beginning to learn tonight uh, how to, to... And I'm going to tell you as we begin this, I'm not an expert in this. I'm still growing in this. We're all growing in this. The wonderful thing about walking with God is you never arrive. You're always growing in it. And it's a learning process, which means when you make a mistake, it's not, a, it's, it's not the end of the world. When I was learning to dance with Anita, I would step on her toes sometimes. You know what? She didn't say, let's not do it anymore. I finally learned so I don't step on her toes, hopefully. And uh, so you learn these things. And God knows, keep in mind, we're children of God. It doesn't say we're adults of God. We're children of God. So we're growing up and we're learning. Okay, Romans, not, not Romans, I looked at that. Genesis chapter 3. What I talk about to begin with is that God wants to be communicate with His children. We've talked about that last week. God is a communicating God. And the, reason, the main reason it's so critical is not just so that He can instruct us to avoid things. It develops relationship with us. It's one thing to read about Him in the book and find out what He's like, but it's another thing when He talks to you. And you can hear Him. And you talk to Him, and He answers you so you know He heard you. Just like in a marriage, you know, we can write letters back and forth, but when we really communicate with each other, and that involves talking honestly and openly, and it involves listening on both of our parts. Communication has to go two ways. And God made us to communicate. He could have communicated with us with billboards and any other, but He chose a method to communicate with us that, first of all, is guaranteed reliable, and secondly, develops relationship. And, the, and I have found in my own life, and I'm assuming it's true in many people's lives, that the major obstacle is just confidence. 
confidence that I can hear and confidence that God's listening. And so these things are designed to help us have confidence. And tonight we're going to look at it from kind of how this process works. Because a lot of books you'll read, and they're great books we have. Brother Hagin's got a tremendous book on how to be led by the Spirit. But I want to go into the process, because that's kind of how I think. So you can understand the process, because then it'll help you cooperate with Him better. So the first thing I want to see, want to show you, God talks to His people. God is a communicating God. And we see it in the very beginning in the Garden of Eden. God put that man and woman in that garden, and God. the, the implication is that he would come down from his presence. Now, I've read that hundreds of times, but as I was looking at it yesterday or today, I began to look up some of these words, because I began to wonder, because I was listening to... It's interesting, because... It, I don't know, do you have this experience? I do. But I can tell God's talking to me about something, because whatever I turn on, whatever they're, they're talking about that pick up a book, it's talking about that. And I went home Sunday, and we watched some guy that, somebody we watched, he's not a guy, some pe- teacher that we watched periodically, and, all, and, and he's talking about hearing God's voice and listening to what God's saying to us. I said, okay, that's it, got me excited. And one of the things he talked about is, you know, well, Adam came down, God came down to walk with Adam Eden in the cool of the garden. I said, you know what, I want to see if that's really in there, because I've taught that too. So I went up here and I looked at it, and, and look at this, verse 8, it says, and they heard... Everybody say heard. heard. What do you hear with? Your ears. Now, whether it's these ears or the but to hear something, a sound has to be made. So they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And then they went and hid themselves. Now, the Hebrew word sound actually means, the Hebrew word sound actually means voice. So they heard the voice of the Lord God walking in the garden. They must have been able to recognize this voice. So the implication is they're used to hearing his voice. So here were the very first men who God is speaking with them. Now whether it was audibly so they heard through these ears or in here, we don't know. But the next thing, and this kind of gives us an indication of it, walking in the garden in the cool of the day. But that word cool in Hebrew actually means in the breeze of the day. So they heard the voice of God through the breeze in, through, the, through the breeze of the day. Now we're going to get to a scripture later on where, where, where God comes down to Elijah who's hiding out of fear in a cave. He's pouting, feeling sorry for himself. And and. God comes down to talk to him, to restore him and to recommission him. And it says there was a, a, a tornado came by and God wasn't in the tornado. Lightning came, thunder came. God, but then there was a still small voice and God spoke out of that still small voice. So I kind of hear that in here. It's like a breeze, a gentleness. And I really believe that's powerful because one of the things we're going to learn to do is how do, you, how do I detect whether that's God's voice or not? Because God's voice by and large, is gentle, like a breeze. One of the ways you learn to discern between the devil talking to you and God talking to you, and we talked about this in Renewing the Mind, is the devil's sound is very different. It's pushy. It's, 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 it's pushing you. It's prodding you. It's threatening. It's condemning. Where God's speaking to you in a gentle way, this is why it's easy to miss him. 
in a gentle way, and it's it's soothing, and it's and he corrects you that way. But it's it's a and it's, so I really see that that God's voice was in this breeze; it was in this sound. So my point here is this: we're in the very beginning. God is speaking to His people, and we're not going to take the time to go through. Old Testament examples of this, but one of the greatest places to look at is in Hebrews chapter 11. Say, Hebrews 11 for Old Testament examples. Again, explain that to me. Because Hebrews 11 is a list of examples of men and women that that exercise faith in something God told them. So it says, Noah received instructions, a warning. So God communicated to him somehow. We don't know if it was, you know, a voice speaking out of heaven, but God communicated to him, Noah, you need to do something you've never heard of or done before. You need to build a boat. They didn't know what a boat was. They, he said, because it's going to rain. They didn't know what rain was, because up until that time, it had never rained. Everything was watered by just a dew that settled in the morning. And all of those are examples. God gave instructions to, to, to Moses. God spoke to Moses. So sometimes go through that, but it's examples of people, God speaking to people communicating with people. And that's the main thing I want you to see here, start out with, is understanding God communicates with His people. Well, we're His children. How much more is God going to communicate with His children? All right. Now, God communicates with man through many different methods. And, and visions and dreams are, are one of the two methods. But they're not usual. Inner eyes, kind of like a dream, but you're awake. They're open visions and closed visions. And, and Brother Hagen has a book on visions, which he had a number of different types of visions. But those are exceptional. Those are rare, especially in our day and age. Because God's, the difference in this covenant that we live in is God's come to live inside of us. We looked at scriptures last week where it says Jesus told his disciples. He says that, that I'm going to ask the Father and his Father's going to send the Spirit. He's going to come and live. He's been with you. He's going to live in you. And he's going to lead you into truth. He's going to remind you of things that I've told you. Whatever he hears from me, he's going to speak to you. He's going to guide you and direct you. So God's primary method of, of leading his children is through the spirit that's within us. And this is mainly what we're going to talk about. There are other ways God has led with signs and wonders. And I don't mean billboards, although I had God do that with me once. I was Early I was a young Christian and I was practicing law in Boston and I had to fly somewhere. Flying never bothered me. For some reason, it was really worrying me. I was getting anxious about this trip for some reason. And I'm coming out of the, out of the, out of, uh, in, the uh, in the MBTA, in the train, coming up out of the tunnel, out of government center. And I'm headed out towards where we lived. Uh, which, and I make a connection in Cambridge. So I come right up out of the tunnel over the, over the uh, I think it's the Mass Avenue Bridge. And I'm, I, and I'm one of those Friday nights where you're pressed up against the glass like this, you know, and you're, you're hoping your deodorant works, and, and theirs does too. And, you know, you're, and I'm talking to God. I said, God, I don't know what to do here. I'm, I'm anxious about this. I don't know what to do. God, I need to hear from you. And I, I, I kid you not, I come up out of the tunnel, and there's a truck f- parallel to us coming right around the corner. And as it comes around the corner, the sun hits the side of the truck, and the word on the side of the truck is trust. So God can use billboards and things. He can use whatever He wants. With Gideon, He used a fleece. But those are by and large methods God used in the Old Testament because they didn't have the spirit living. They didn't have the communication system you and I did. So God had to use outward things. He will still use those today, 
But those are not the exception. You shouldn't be looking for those. Because the problem is each one of those kinds of, of communication methods actually exists in the realm that the devil is God over. So you start looking for spiritual things to happen to you. There are other spirits out there that can answer you. So don't use Ouija boards. Don't use tarot cards. I don't have to tell you this. Oh, well, there's nothing. They're, they're harmless. No, they're not. Because you're opening yourself up to asking spirits to direct you. And there are spirits out there that would love to answer that request of yours. And why would we do that when we have a system that God's designed for us that's perfect, that develops a relationship with Him, not a relationship with the devil? So God will use those. Prophecy is another method, but in the New Testament, prophecy does not have that purpose. So don't, don't let some prophet or non-prophet say, thus says the Lord, this is what you should do, and because that prophet or non-prophet told you to do it, you just go do it. If you hear from a prophet here, if it happens here, I'll deal with it. But somewhere else, and they give you a word, or you get something in the mail, and it doesn't witness with something that's already in your spirit, put it in the waste paper basket. If I get something from somebody that I do know and respect, I may not throw it in the waste paper basket. I put it on my imaginary shelf to wait until I get some witness in here. Because the purpose of New Testament prophecy is to exhort you, to encourage you, or to confirm something God's already shown you. So don't get misled. There are people that are married people because some prophet said, I, because some prophet said, you should marry so-and-so. But they don't have to live with them. <laughs> They're leaving town. <laughs> All right. Now Romans chapter 8, verse 14. This is the method God has designed for His children. Romans eight fourteen, For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. Now God else, Paul elsewhere in this chapter for a child. But this word, sons, is huios, which means a matured child, a growing up child. And so what it says is, as many as are being led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. So I use this first for the proposition that God's primary method of leading us is through the Spirit of God who dwells in us. God designed something. When God designed something, it's perfect. It designed and it works as long as we cooperate with His method. So let's go to John chapter 4, and we're going to begin to understand this method. And I think it's important to do this. Well, we're going to do it anyway, but because I do think it's important to do it. John chapter 4. We spent a lot of time on this a couple of years ago when we talked about worship. But there's a principle in here that I believe applies to prayer and in, 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 in any method that God has of communicating with us or we have of communicating with God. Verse 24. God is spirit, and those who worship Him must worship in spirit and in truth. Why must they worship Him in spirit and in truth? Because God is spirit, spirit, and God is truth. Well, worship is a form of communicating with God. It's, it's a communicating from your spirit to, his, to Him through His spirit. Because God is spirit, 
we can't worship Him with our mind. And everything we can say about worship, we can say about communicating with God. So we have to communicate with God because He is a spirit in the spirit or spirit to spirit, which means God does not communicate with us mind to mind. Anybody remember Dr. Spock? I wasn't a Trekkie, but in the mind meld, is that what he did? And, huh? He would take he would take his thoughts and or read your thoughts and transfer them by way of thoughts. God doesn't do that. God doesn't do that. That will involve our mind. We're going to learn that. But God's method of communicating from Him to you is perfect, and God's given us a method of communicating from us to Him that's perfect. No miscommunications. Say, that sounds good, Pastor, but I'm having miscommunications all the time. I'm not even hearing what He's saying to me. Well, that's why we're going to go through this so you can understand where the issue is. If you have an electrical problem in your house, they try to isolate where the problem is. So they go downstairs and check your fuse box to see which one of the fuses, which one of the circuits is wrong so they know where to look for the problem. So this is what we're doing in analysis here to find out where the problem is. And you've got a pretty good idea ahead of time, but we're going to see specifically where it is. So God is a spirit. So communication with Him must be spirit to spirit. Ephesians 4, we looked at that last week. In Ephesians 4, Paul writes, he says, do not be like the Gentiles because the Gentiles try to deal with God in the futility of their mind, having their hearts darkened and their understanding darkened because their hearts are hardened. What we saw is Gentile means somebody that has no covenant, no working relationship with God. God does not live inside of them. So the only way they can communicate, try to communicate about God is in their mind, and Paul says that's futile. You cannot understand God with your mind. You cannot communicate with God with your mind. First of all, even if you could, our minds are so limited. Our minds are so limited. Trying to understand a God who is absolutely powerful, I mean, my mind, you can't grasp it. He's infinite. Just, just the concept that God's always existed that God exists outside of time. Our mind cannot understand that because all it's ever known is time. All it thinks of in terms of is time. We use even time terms to talk about God, but that can't apply to God because God lives outside of time. He sees everything all at once. God, you understand God's never had a thought. I know Ephesians, I mean, Isaiah 55 says, my thoughts are not your thoughts. But what God's trying to show us is don't compare your thoughts to his God. God doesn't have thoughts. He just knows. He's never had an idea. Whoa. I never thought of that before. Because everything comes from him. From him. So he has to have occurred to him before it existed. God's never had an idea. Because that implies something dawned on you. God's never said, oh me, I never thought of that before. (laughs) God doesn't have opinions. Opinion is an educated guess. And when you know everything, you don't have to guess. And He's living inside of us. So my point is this, your mind can't begin to grasp God. So you can't really communicate with Him 
mind to mind. So the Bible says we have the mind of Christ. It's not up here. It's in here. Okay. All right. Everybody still with me? All right. Okay. So, as we worship must be in spirit and truth, so all communication with Him must be in spirit and truth. Now, it's easy to leave those last two words out, and truth. Why is it put in truth in there? Well, we talked about that when we talked about worship, why worship has to be in truth. God is truth. And this is one reason why sometimes people have trouble understanding or communicating with God, because in order to communicate with God, we have to be walking in truth. In order to hear what God has to say to you, God will only speak truth for you. So if I'm not open to the truth, I'm not open to hear what He has to say. So one of the, this is a practical thing about this, is one of the things I check in myself, if I'm having trouble, if this seems clogged to me, one of the things I check out first is, am I walking in truth with myself? Because if I'm trying to con myself about something, I'm going to try to con God about something. So if I'm coming to Him, and we live in a generation that spins everything. You understand what spin is? Instead of just saying the truth as it is, we, 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 we paint it up and redecorate it and try to make it look acceptable. But truth is truth. Truth is narrow, and it's exclusive. Say, what's that mean? Two plus two is four. It's not five. It's not three. It's not what I want it to be. And, and we live in a generation when we're trying to redefine any, everything so everybody's comfortable. But you can't redefine truth. All you can do is deceive yourself into thinking you're walking in truth when in reality you're not. This is why, this is why James writes that if you're, a doer of the, if you're a hearer of the Word and not a doer, you deceive yourself. This is not where I was planning to go tonight. You deceive yourself. Why? Because when you hear the Word, it gives you this impression because God's Word struck you, it makes you feel better, even if it's correcting you because you've heard God's Word speaking to you. But if I just hear it and I feel better and I don't do it, then I've mistaken feeling better for change. And we've all, I'm sure, had the experience of hearing something in a service and saying, wow, that's just what I needed to hear. And we leave feeling good and wonderful. And then we don't go, we forget it by the time we get home. Because we don't have the intention of applying it in our lives. And here's the danger. Because I heard it and I said, wow, wasn't that good? I think that was to change. So I don't go back and deal with the issue in my life. So when we're not walking in truth, when we're not, and, and that's just being willing to hear the truth, being willing to deal and let God deal with us in truth, being willing to be honest with ourselves and with God. I'll let you in on a secret if you promise not to tell anybody. Okay? God already knows. So whatever you think you're hiding, we think we're hiding from God, we're not hiding from God, we're hiding it from ourselves. Okay. So it's, we've got to communicate with Him spirit to spirit, and we've got to be dealing in the truth. If you walk in the light as He is in the light, then we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from all sin. If we walk in the truth, God is a spirit. Those who worship Him or those who communicate with Him must do it in spirit and in truth. Okay, God has designed a perfect 
communication system for us. Romans 8, verse 26. We're going to look at this from our side and then from God's side. Because communication requires both sides. Because Romans chapter 7 talks about what, what Paul, it's Paul's story of what he tried to do for himself and how he failed miserably. Romans 8 is a story of what God did for us through the Spirit. The Spirit's the one that enables what God has done for us. And so when it says likewise, it's referring back to the first 25 verses in Romans 8, which are basically what we could not do for ourselves, God did for us by the Spirit. For the law, verse 2 is the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus that set me free from the law of sin and death. For what the law could not do because of the weakness of our flesh, God did. So what I couldn't do because my flesh was weak, God did for me. Sending His own Son in the likeness of flesh as an offering for sin, He condemned sin in the flesh that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in me, us who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the, according to the Spirit. So learning to walk in the Spirit is receiving what God's done for me in Christ. So what he's saying here is what, because of the weakness of our flesh, there were things spiritually we could not do, and God out of His grace and mercy did them for us, and He's implemented them in our lives by the presence of His Spirit. So that's just being saved. Verse 26 is now going to talk about prayer. Likewise, or in the same way, the Spirit also helps which means the first 25 verses is talking about other ways the Spirit has helped us, our weakness. The word weakness there refers to an inability to produce results. That word weakness means the inability by our own efforts to produce results. So the first 25 verses is talking about our inability to fulfill the law, our inability to obey the law because of the weakness of our flesh. Well, in the same way, we have an inability to pray. Not to say prayers. Oh, we're all good at saying prayers. But we have an inability to pray effectively. Why? Because the issues that we pray about are all governed by a realm of existence we can't see into, the spirit realm. Ephesians chapter 6 says, and it's talking about prayer, because verse 18 talks about prayer, saying, therefore, praying in, the, praying in all manners, in all kinds of prayer at all times. First chapter 6 verse 10 starts out, talks about, Be strong in the Lord and the power of His might, for we wrestle not against flesh and blood. So that when we're praying about something, when we're communicating, we're communicating about, which are the spirits, and we're communicating to a being that's in the spirit realm that we can't see. So we have a natural weakness because our flesh can't see who we're talking to. And we talked a little bit about that last week. We can't see whether he's looking at us. We can't see in his eyes whether he's looking at us. We can't see if his ears listen towards us. We can't see that. So we don't know by our natural senses that he's... And we don't even know by our natural senses he's even there. Which is why Hebrews 11.6 says, without faith it's impossible to come to him because you've got to believe that he is. And that's true of prayer. So the Spirit, in the same way that He helps us receive our righteousness and walk in our relationship with Him, also helps our weaknesses, our inability to produce results because of our, we live in this flesh. Why? For we don't know what we should pray for. Literally, it says we don't know the what to pray. We don't know what we should pray for. We don't know what we're talking about. <laughs> As we ought. 
So because we're dealing with talking to God, because we're talking to issues that, have, that are involved with forces in a realm we can't see into, we need help communicating in that realm. Well, God knows that. But the Spirit Himself makes intercession for us with groanings that cannot be uttered. The Spirit Himself makes intercessions for us with groanings that cannot be uttered. We're going to get into that. He makes intercession for us. That word intercession means to get in the face of somebody else. So when we pray, He gets in God's face. He's bringing it to God. Verse 27. Now He who searches the hearts, that's God, knows what the mind of the Spirit is because the Spirit makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. So when we pray, when we've got something in our heart, just some emotion or some desperation or something, because God knows that weakness in us, He's put His Spirit in you. And His Spirit in you and in me is searching in our hearts, in our spirit, to take what our spirit knows and to communicate that directly to God. And to communicate that directly to God. To communicate that directly to God. Now let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 2. By the way, it says, in the Greek, it says, He, he, take, he helps us. That word help is a compound of three words, which are, He takes hold together with us against something. He doesn't do it for us in our place. So if you don't pray, He can't help you pray. So you've got to pray, you've got to open your mouth, you've got to say something, and then He'll help you do it. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, and these are the verses you hear me talk about so often. But it is written, Eye has not seen, nor ears heard, nor has entered into the hearts of men the things which God has prepared for those who love Him. Now what we just talked about in Romans 8 is communication from our side to God, and we struggle with that because of the weakness of our flesh. We don't understand what the issues are. We can't even see them. But God's Spirit in us takes what's in our heart and it communicates translates that into the will of God and communicates it to Him. So you don't have to worry about whether it's God's will or not when you're praying. I mean, you don't want to pray something stupid that you know, you know, because you know He's not going to listen to that. But don't, you know, well, I don't know if it's God or not. Don't worry about it. It says in at least three places, come boldly before Him. The word bold means say whatever's on your heart and mind. Don't worry about it. Don't have to phrase it just right because there's no way we're good enough to phrase anything just right for God. Don't worry about whether you're standing, kneeling, sitting in the car. Just communicate with Him. I talked last week. Do it all day long. God wants to talk to you all day long. So what we've seen is from our side, God's put His Spirit in. I'm going to show you in a minute how He does that so we can perfectly communicate what's in our heart inarticulately in our heart, confusingly in our heart. Sometimes we don't know what to pray, but He's in there to take what's sort through what's in your heart, translate it into the will of God, and communicate that perfectly to the Father. Isn't that good? Now look at the... This is the other side back. This is God back to us. Eye has not seen, this natural eye, nor has our ear heard, nor has it entered into the heart or understanding or dreaming or imagination of man 
the things which God has prepared for those who love Him. So God's prepared something for us because we're here because we love Him that we haven't seen yet. So we're talking about something now that's in God's heart for you, that God wants you to know that God has for you, but the problem is, I can't even see Him. How do I know He even knows I exist? All right, verse 10. But God has revealed them to us through His Spirit. Now, where is His Spirit living? Inside of us. So God reveals what's in His heart that our eyes can't see, our ears can't hear, nor is it in our heart. Why? Because they exist in God's heart and God's a Spirit. I can't see a Spirit. I can't see God unless God manifests Himself to me, but that's supernatural. So in the normal course of things, I can't see God. So I can't see what's in his heart. And we talked about that, I think, last week. Or was Sunday I talked about, you know, wouldn't it be nice if we had a little wind? Maybe it wouldn't be nice. <laughs> Maybe God does know what he's doing by not putting a window in there where we can see what the intentions of people's hearts are. But, but God wants us to know his heart. So God has revealed these secrets to us of his heart. These are things God has for us. Notice verse 9 says, what God has for us. Not for us to do what God has for us. What He wants us to know about Him. What He wants, what's in His heart for us. We're going to see Sunday. God's for you beyond what you can begin to imagine. He's thinking about you all the time. His eyes are on you all the time. He's waiting for you to talk to Him. His ears are open to you all the time. And He has things in His heart, imagining God's heart for you and me. Not just as piggy you. You're just wonderful. I look at you and just smile. Would that affect your day? Would it matter whether other people frowned at you? Well, maybe he does, and you just don't hear it. Maybe we just don't hear it. But God has revealed them through his Spirit, for the Spirit searches all things. Yes, even the... I get so excited about this one. Think of that. The Spirit, because he's, he's God's Spirit. One of his assignments is to dig down there in God's heart and root around in the basement of God's heart and find the deep things that God has for you. He is on assignment to pull out of God's heart things God wants you to know about God's love for you, about you, what God thinks of you. Things that God, these are good things. No time I'm correcting you here. Searches the things, yes, the deep things of God. 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 Verse 11. For what man knows the thing of a man except the spirit of the man which is in him? Even so, no one knows the things of God except the spirit of God. So only the spirit of God knows what's down in his heart. And he's been put in you to reveal those secrets to you. Verse 12. Now we've received not the Spirit of the world, but we've received the Spirit who is from God. Why? Why have we received the Spirit that's come from God? Look at this. That we might know, not guess, not imagine, not hope, that we might know the things that have been freely given to us by God. 
He wants every one of His children to know the things that have been freely given to Him by their Father that loves Him. And the Spirit has an assignment from God to dig them out of the depths of His heart and then to make them known to you and me. We're not talking about an angel that's on an assignment. We're not talking about a prophet or an apostle or an evangelist. We're talking about the Holy Spirit of God. God's own Spirit by whom the worlds were created. God's Spirit has an assignment from the Father to take what's in His heart that He wants you to freely know and have and to reveal those things to us. Wow, that's exciting. How can we sit still when we realize He's living inside of me every day with things to show me? How can we have a down day or a dull day or a depressed day? God! And think again of what God knows. Forget what He knows. Just His love. Just His love. So over in Ephesians 3... Paul prays for the church and for this church too. I pray for you. I pray for me and for my family that we would have to be strengthened by the Spirit in our inner man. We've got to be strengthened so we can handle this knowledge. Woo! Strengthened so that Christ might be able to dwell in us by faith and rooted and grounded in His love we might come to know together with all the saints the breadth and the length and the height and the depth and to know by experience the love of Christ that passes understanding up here so that we may be filled with all of the fullness of God. That's part of what's freely given to us. And the Spirit is on assignment. He's on an assignment from God. He will not fail. He cannot fail. The Spirit that revealed God to Moses on the mountain, the Spirit that spoke to Elijah, the Spirit that spoke to Isaiah, the Spirit that spoke to Christ Jesus. That same Spirit is in you to speak to you also, to reveal the things freely given to us by God. God's heart is, I want to give these things to you. I want to reveal these things to you. I want to open the eyes of your understanding and see the hope of your calling that's in Christ Jesus. I want you to see the glory of the inheritance that I have for you together with all the saints. I want to show you these. I want you to see them. You. Woo! Whoa! My goodness. Now you know why these verses excite me. Verse 13. And these things we also speak, not in words which man's wisdom teaches, but which the Holy Spirit teaches, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. Let me talk to you about how this works. And to do this, I've got to, um, I've got to use an example. Well, there's another verse I want to give you. 1 Corinthians 14. 1 Corinthians 14. See if they have it. Yep. For he who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men, but to God. For no one understands him. However, the Spirit, in the Spirit, he speaks mysteries. So the principle here is your spirit, when you pray in the tongues, is bypassing your mind and speaking directly to God's Spirit. And here's how it works. 
Because when you were when you were born again, I've gone over this many times before. What God did is He took your old spirit out and put a brand, birth a brand new spirit in you, born out of Him. That's how you became His child. The Bible says that your spirit, your spirit man, your spirit man is perfect. You're not, you, you, but there's more to you than your spirit man. But your spirit man has been made righteous. It's made acceptable in God. That's the part of you God put in you that is treasures. Okay. We have a soul that's trying to catch up with that and a body that's lagging way behind. But your spirit man is who you really are. And your spirit man is born in God's image because it's God, you're God's child in there. And it's a spirit being. God's spirit lives in you. And your spirit and God's spirit are fused together. Because the Bible talks about we're one spirit with Christ. That because His Spirit, the Spirit of Christ, is joined together with your spirit. Spirit to spirit. I always used to get confused when I'd read through John 17 and Jesus prayed that we may be one as He and the Father are one. And it's like, okay, that's a great idea, but my mind works. How does that work? <laughs> How does that happen? Until it dawned on me one day, it's not physical, because it's clearly not physical, because the Father was in heaven and Jesus was on the earth. But they were one spirit together. Their spirits were fused together. Now, here's the principle. I wish I'd had time or the, uh, the creativity to do a diagram to put up there. But I used to do this with school of ministry. So you've got your spirit over here and God's spirit over here. And they're fused together. So the communication between them is perfect. How many of you remember a Polaroid camera? Some of you were younger people again. Polaroid, what was that? It was, a, it was a big deal because some of you, you remember when you used to have to go buy film and fit it in a camera and turn the thing like this and then when you finished taking your pictures, you had to take the film out and you had to go somewhere and they developed a film and you might get them back a week later. Nowadays, that's such a foreign concept unless you're a professional photographer and some of them still do use film because there's advantages to it. But it's all digital now. It's now on, most of it's on phones now. But what Polarid came up with, Mr. Land came up with, is a system, because instead of waiting a week to get your pictures back, he came up with what's called the instant camera. And the way it worked was this, because the way, and I'm not, I'm not an expert on this, and this, I'm going to go into this because there's a principle behind this, is, is when you take a picture with film, the light from, the cam, from, the, from, from Jerry's face comes through the lens, and it, it strikes this, it strikes this uh, uh, film, which is treated a special way, and it, 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 it does something to the molecules in that. And then when they take that out and they treat it through the, through the different chemicals, it turns into what we call a negative. And the way they print that is they make another picture, take another picture, basically, through the negative on another piece of printing paper. I think that's basically right. So there's a distance between the lens of that printer, of that, of that developer... And the, and, the, and, the, and the negative. So the, something can be lost in that distance. There's a little graininess. In a Polaroid, the way they, the way they transferred it from the negative to the print paper is they took the, neg- they took the negative film and the print paper and threw rollers. And what the rollers did is they squeezed the little capsules so the developing fluid was spread out all over the film so that that process of transferring it from the negative to the printing paper didn't have to go through a lens 
It didn't have to go through a distance. It went directly from the negative to the paper with nothing in between to distort it. So the picture came out very crisp and very clear. Sukumi, you took it in a way that was crisp and clear. I went through that exercise that has nothing to do with anything else except that the method of communication God has, spirit to spirit, is like that. There's an immediate transfer with nothing lost. Okay, then how come I'm having trouble discerning? Good question. Second thing we need to know about that is the spirit does not communicate by words. I'll say that over here. Spirits do not communicate. but They can, but if they do, look out. By and large, spiritual communication is not by words. Why? Well, one reason is words are a lousy communicator. Words are containers. I gotta watch my time. Oh, wow. Words are containers. And so what I mean by one word, you may have a different meaning to it. Give me an example. The word cleave, C-L-E-A-V-E. Interesting word. I wonder why people have trouble learning English. It has two distinct meanings, and they're the exact opposite of each other. Because the word cleave means to the husband, man shall leave his wife and cleave his parents and cleave to his wife. But it also means to take something and divide it up. So you better know which one you mean. If you go to England... Our granddaughter just had braces put on. So she goes over to England and tells somebody, I just had put braces on. They're going to look for her suspenders. Because braces in England means suspenders. It's the same word. So words, not only that, Paul talks about being taken up into paradise and seeing things that were, couldn't be uttered with words. Because he saw things, he saw things that made an impression on him and the, the, the vocabulary he had, he couldn't find words to describe what he saw. You can almost get that sense with Isaiah in chapter 6 when he saw the throne room of God and he goes, <sighs> you're trying to find words. This is why when you read Revelation, it gets confusing because John's seeing things and, and, and the Greek language doesn't have words that can begin to, so he tries to describe things that the best he can do. So words are a terrible communicator. So how do spirits communicate? By impressions. And impressions, you just know something. A, the best example of impression I can think of is a dream. You ever, ever have a vivid dream? I mean, it's so vivid, you wake up and you may be sweating, your heart's pounding, your pillow may be torn apart, you know, or you may be ready to hit your wife, or, you know, you're just, you know, you're, you're, you're so real to you. And then you go to try to tell us, well, what was that all about? Well, I did this, and, I, and the moment you try to put words to it, it goes, what happens to it? It just kind of evaporates. Why? But it was real to you. It was vivid, more vivid than, because the words are not as vivid as the, as, as the impression that you had. So you're trying to take something that's almost limitless and squeeze it into a container of the words, and it just it doesn't do it, so you, you lose it. So the Spirit of God... When he's communicating to you, he takes from the heart of God perfect communication and he perfectly communicates it to your spirit. When the Spirit of God is listening, going the other way, he takes what's in your heart, the Spirit, your heart, and he knows exactly what's in your heart and he translates that into the will of God and communicates that back to the Father. Okay, that's how it's designed to work. So where's the problem? 
Well, the problem isn't in God's communication system. The problem is, is what, in order for that impression to do me any good, it's got to go 18 inches up to here. Because what's happening is your mind is trying to grasp those impressions. First of all, many of the times, and this is what we're going to learn, we're not even aware of them because they're subtle. They can be, if you don't know what you're looking, listening for, you're going to have trouble hearing it. So your mind comes to church and we happen to be singing the Spirit or we're praying. But most of the time during the day, we walk around almost oblivious to the fact that our Spirit's in us, let alone God's Spirit in us. And the word that Paul uses for that is carnal. See, carnal doesn't mean sinning. Carnal means flesh conscious, body conscious, sense conscious. So most of us are walking around almost all the time dominated by listening to, paying attention to, focused on checking out our five senses and what our five senses are telling us. While all the while... The Spirit of God is trying to communicate things to us in our spirit, and we're so, we're so unconscious, not, not conscious of this, that we don't even notice it. And that's what it means in Galatians 5 when it talks about walking in the Spirit. It's not, it's not the twilight zone. No, it's walking, living your life more aware of the spirits on the inside of you than of the natural world on the outside of you. We need to be aware of what your eyes are seeing so you don't bump into things, hit some car on your way home. But we, 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 we're dominated by our flesh because we spend almost all of our time thinking about it, listening to it, and feeding it, and taking care of it, and all the rest of the things we do. So the issue is between, in terms of hearing from God, is for our mind and our soul which is our mind, our will, and our emotions, to begin to become aware of what's going on in the inside so that we can listen to, interpret, and recognize when the Spirit of God is beginning is trying to talk to us through our spirit. By the way, this is a little side note. Some of you may be saying, you know, well, I'm not sure whether this was God or me. The reason why you're not sure it's God or you is because God's Spirit and your spirit are joined together, so they're one. I was saying to the Lord one time, I said, Lord, I'm not sure whether this is me or you. He said, I'm not either. <laughs> well, obviously, God's not uncertain of anything. What he's trying to say to me is don't worry about the difference. Now, there are guidelines to that that we'll talk about. Okay. All right. We've got to bring this to an end. We get so lost in the physical realm, we spend no, so little time in touch with our spirit realm. And not only that, the noise of the outside world around us drowns us out, so we don't recognize the voice of the spirit. Secondly, we don't know what we're listening for in many cases. So we'd be listening, we'd be sitting in church, and it's like, well, I'm going to set aside, I'm going to listen to God. What am I listening for? Third, our will interferes. Our will interferes. Do you ever have a child that you said, Johnny, it's time to go to bed. Uh, Johnny, Johnny, it's time to go to bed. And he's still in the video game. Let's get some ice cream first. Okay, Mom. It's called selective hearing. Johnny's didn't hear. His ears did, but it didn't get in because Johnny wasn't particularly excited about going to bed, so he's will block what he heard. 
In the same way, if God's trying to say something, or if we just anticipate that God's going to tell us something we don't want to know, we will close down and not listen, even though that's not what God wants to do. Some people have trouble hearing because, oh, if I, if I listen to God, He might send me somewhere I don't want to go. Why would God be stupid and do that? So we're afraid so that you see the devil gets involved. Well, you don't want to hear what... Because God's going to want to... He's never going to tell you to do something that you'd enjoy. Then we need to know more about God. And I've got I to gotta close with this last one. Okay. So sometimes our failure to... Uh, the other thing about this, this is very important. Sometimes our failure, our inability to hear is because we haven't done the last thing God told us to do. One of the things I used to advise people, well, I'm not, I haven't heard from God. Well, when's the last time you heard? Oh, a year ago, God told me to do this. Did you do it? Well, no. Well, go back and do what you... Because God's got a good memory. Okay. And the last thing is the lack of knowledge of the Word of God. One of the best things to do in order to develop your sensitivity to hear from God is to spend more time in the Word. Why? Because first of all, sometimes God speaks to you through the Word. Many times God speaks to us through the Word. Secondly, He always speaks in line with the Word. So one of the things we're going to learn is one of the ways you discern whether it's God or not is God will never tell you something that doesn't line up with His Word. And the third is the more you learn, read the Word, and the more you meditate in the Word, the more you get a sense of who God is, and it's easier to recognize the sense of voice of somebody when you have a better sense of who they are, what their motives are, what their desires are, what their will is like, what they're like. Remember I told you, Sonny, God gave us this book. One of the main reasons is so we would know what He's like. It's easier to listen to somebody when you know what they're like because you're more likely to trust them. We need to end here. Let's pray. Father, we just ask you to help us. You've done all this. You've given us all this ability. You put this within us. But you recognize, Lord, that in our humanness and in, our, in the lo- worlds that we live in and the life that we live in, it's just we're so easily distracted. But help us. To, we need to know how to hear your voice. We need to know how to hear what you're saying to us. We need to learn to be led. We thank you, Father, that you're patient and you're long-suffering with us. But help us, Lord. Teach us how to recognize the Spirit of God in us that wants to reveal who you are, what's in your heart for us, and what you've freely given to us. And we thank you for this grace. In Jesus' name, amen. One other thing I want to share with you about it, when you get into the practical things, is it's a learning process and you'll never master it. But start where you are. Start with small things. Just, Lord, I want, I want to hear from you. I want to hear you today. And you may get an impression. You know, I, need, I, need, I haven't called so-and-so in such a while time. Find out if that was God. Pick the phone up and call. God, he, see, God, he's, he wants to teach you. But we've got to step out and risk. Now, you know, don't go, don't go jump off a cliff and say, Now, God, is that you or not? I mean, you better know. There's some things you better know God told you. But there's little things where there's no major consequence if you're wrong. Just to know, God, I want to learn. I want you to speak. He wants to teach you. He's a teacher. Amen.